This is Nature Notes, our look at the natural world in West Texas, from the prairies of Llano Estacado to the borderlands of the Chihuahuan Desert. Consensus is elusive in this polarized time, but state parks are an exception. Polls consistently show three-quarters of Texans view state parks favorably. Few policy matters unite us so broadly. Yet the history of the state park system, now marking its centennial, is one of uphill political battles. Texas State Parks, the first 100 years from TCU Press, chronicles those battles. The book shines a light on the women activists who helped build this beloved institution. From Marfa Public Radio and the Sibley Nature Center in Midland, this is Nature Notes. I'm Dallas Baxter. Jennifer Bristol writes about women and parks in the new book. Beautiful prairies and forests are going away. And they're starting to see that, feeling it in their core. And as Texans, they're called upon to preserve Texas. Early 20th century Texas was largely rural, but that was changing. And natural resources no longer seemed inexhaustible. Women, Bristol says, were early in recognizing the need for conservation and for setting aside places where Texans, and especially Texas children, could be outdoors. And they were organized. By 1900, women's clubs were thriving across Texas. Members advocated for public libraries, improved roads, and political change, including women's suffrage. Connecting women statewide, the Texas Federation of Women's Clubs could mobilize thousands for letter-writing campaigns. As Governor Pat Neff pushed to create a park system, he turned to the Federation to pressure legislators. Their advocacy worked, and in 1923, when the Parks Board was created, it included three Federation activists, Phoebe Warner, Florence Martin, and Katie Welder. Warner was a Panhandle resident in love with its oceanic plains and would become the mother of Paladura Canyon State Park. Federation members inventoried existing local parks and secured new land donations. Alpine and Fort Davis women's clubs were early advocates for Davis Mountain State Park, though Bristol says they envisioned something far larger than today's destination. Next, the Federation had to convince a resistant legislature to accept the land donations they'd secured. Austinite Marion Mamie Rather Powell became their point person. Bristol had access to Powell's correspondence, which revealed tenacious lobbying at the Capitol and in more informal settings. You talk about things that get done sometimes behind the scenes, and this was one of those moments. It's happening at the bridge parties, and it's happening at the luncheons, and it's go home and talk to your husband about this <laughs> kind of situation. Soon, Powell had help inside when women's club compatriot Margie Neal became the first female state senator. When Neal's legislation to accept the donation of 24 parks passed in 1927, Texas parks began in earnest. It's ironic, though perhaps unsurprising, given political history, that women were shut out of leadership once they'd helped establish the park system. After the first appointments, no woman served in leadership for six decades, Yet profound contributions continued to be made by women, including West Texas women. Madge Lindsay, now of Fort Davis, was a park staffer who spearheaded the creation of birding trails and competitions, expanding the scope of state parks to embrace nature tourism. And we have an alpine ranching Zion to thank for Seminole Canyon State Park, a nature lover and arts patron, Jane Sibley dedicated years to ensuring the ancient rock art sites near Langtree became a state park. For her, it was the culmination of nature art. It took a long time, about 15 years. Parks are public resources. They belong to all of us. But at the centennial, it's fitting to remember the individuals who fought to make them so. This episode was written by Andrew Stewart. Thanks for listening.